Hi, I'm Dora from Dora Nicolau and my drink of choice is a chai. I'm Gemma from Contently Driven and my drink of choice is red wine. And I'm Michaela from Inspired Office and my drink of choice is a sparkling white wine. Work-life wine time supports the responsible consumption of alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to episode 83 of the Work-Wife Wine Time, the podcast for women in business who are looking for connection and the support of other women who are sharing the same business journey. Awesome. So it's Dora here with you today and I'm excited to connect you with our guest speaker and work-wife herself, Emma McMillan. Welcome. Thanks, Dora. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Um, Can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, it's great to be here with you and it's lovely to connect with you. Once again, it's been a while since we've had a conversation, so it's great to to be doing this. So uh, my name's Emma McMillan. I'm a copy coach and small business mentor. Um, I'm a former teacher and I've had my business since 2016. So back in in that year, I had my baby who's now seven and my business the same year. So it's really evolved over that time. I, I left education determined to have a bit of a change after 12 years in the secondary classroom. And so I decided to make a go of a copywriting business. So I had that for about four or five years. And then what I realized was that I was really missing the teaching part of my role. And I wanted to find a way to, I guess, combine what I'd done in the education space with what I'd done in the copywriting space. And hence kind of coined a term, uh, copywriting coach, which essentially means that I work to help people to develop their skills and their confidence and their habits to write better for their own businesses. So often I work with solo small business owners, but I do also work with teams as well who need support in upskilling their um, their staff to write more confidently and and write better for the business. So I do that through one-to-one coaching and I also have a membership for small business owners, which is all about content writing accountability because as we know, there's so much content that every business needs all the time. So that's a bit about me. Definitely. And I love how, you know, you said, mentioned about accountability because as we talked about before we recorded, yeah, um, even as copywriters, <laughs> so we need a little bit of accountability. Oh, yeah. absolutely. So important. And it's just um, having people, you know, around you who can just give you a nudge and just check in on you. And I know now what you're planning to do, Dora, in the background. So I'll be nudging you post this conversation. <laughs> I love it. Yes, please do. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be gentle either. <laughs> Good. Um how can effective copy impact the confidence and the success of a small business? Can you talk us through that? Oh, absolutely. Well, I think the first thing that happens is if people don't feel confident about the copy that they've got, especially in places like websites, they don't feel confident to market themselves. So there's, you know, I I will find clients come to me and say, like, I don't want to talk about my business to people because I don't want them to go and have a look at my website. I'm so embarrassed about what's on there. It doesn't represent me. It doesn't feel like me. And so it really just leads to this crisis of confidence and that kind of spirals. And so it's, you know, they don't want people to look at their website. They don't market themselves on social media. They don't, you know, reach out to their contacts and so on. And so it then just means that they're not marketing their business and their business can't grow. And so it's sort of this flow on effect. And then what can happen is if people actually take some time to 
you know, look at the, look at things like their messaging, talk to their, you know, clients and customers and, and do some really good um, research around their ideal client. If they take the time to actually discover their brand better and develop their tone of voice, then they can, they do communicate, they do talk more freely, they talk more confidently, and they feel like they're actually connecting with the people who have the kinds of challenges that they can help to solve. So it's just this beautiful um, confidence building exercise really by getting to know your brand. Um, And then it's just about showing up and doing it because I really think that writing is like a muscle, you know, and the more you do it, the easier it gets. And you don't have to be a copywriter to write copy. I mean, if you run a business and you're not a writer, but let's say you're a psychologist or you're a massage therapist, it's not as if you can suddenly outsource all the copy that needs writing in your business. I mean, that would be expensive. Um, that would be time consuming to actually pass all that over to someone else to do. But not only that, if you are the face and the voice of your business, like why can, you know, why shouldn't that be you being on the front foot and actually putting yourself out there? So, yeah, I think it's, um, the confidence that you can get from actually taking those steps um, means that your market means that you grow and it's just a, you know, an upwards trajectory rather than this circling spiral of, um, yeah, of self-doubt. Yeah, I love it. Um, my next question for you is what steps should people take to understand their target audience better and tailor their messaging to them? My favorite thing to tell people to do is actually just go and speak to your audience. They they have so many insights for you. I think it's really easy for us to think as the owner of the business that we know our business best. And in some ways we do, but sometimes our audience can give us insights that we can't get to necessarily on us, you know, by ourselves. And so There's all sorts of different ways you can do that. You can actually call your clients. You can send them a survey. You can send them an email. You can ask for them to complete feedback at the end of a project. So many different ways. But it's about also the way that you ask them questions that gives you the kind of really interesting um, and important insights that you can then use. And so I like to kind of frame my questions in I guess like a case study format. So wanting to find out, you know, I might say to you, Dora, what was going on in your business before you came to me? You know, what sort of, what were your biggest challenges? What were your pain points? What were you stressed about in the middle of the night? And so you would be able to tell me, you know, what some of your challenges um, were. And again, that's things that I could make assumptions about, but your clients will tell you what they really are, right? And then I might ask you, you know, well, what sort of things changed for you once we worked together or what did you notice straight away and that's where your clients will start to reveal some of the things that actually you helped to solve for them um, and that's really interesting too because you sort of hear about the quick wins but then you hear about those more transformational outcome things which are those really really important things that you then need to focus on telling people about in all the places you know and then You want to find out from your clients, what's the experience like of working with you? So I would love to know, you know, say, Dora, when we work together, how was my approach different to other, you know, coaches or mentors that you've worked with? 
what you know what did you notice about the process what um, what worked for you is there anything that you'd give feedback on and so on and just trying to get a sense of like what it is that you do differently and maybe someone might call out things to do with your processes or your values or other things that kind of stand out and that's what then really becomes part of your unique selling proposition so what it is that makes you you because nobody else can do things exactly like you do them and so those kinds of questions are what your audience can give you some really good insights in so then once you've got all that information that not only becomes data that you can use for actual testimonials like on your website and in your marketing but also you can start to pick specific words and phrases that your clients and customers are using and actually start to weave those into your copy. So you might take, for instance, I did this recently. I surveyed my membership and I said, can you tell me about why you joined? And one of them said, I wanted to find a like-spirited community of people. I thought, oh, I really like that term, like-spirited, you know, because like-minded perhaps doesn't necessarily quite capture what I want. So I'm going to take that phrase, I'm going to put it on the sales page. You know, so it's about actually taking some of these terms that our clients use, because if we're wanting to attract more of those types of clients, then why would we not use some of their language in our copy? Oh, absolutely. I love it. It's just so much gold just from that question. It's, a, it's such a powerful process and it's something that people just don't do often enough, yeah. but it can be so good. Yeah, absolutely. And it just it's just a conversation, right, whether it's over the phone or email or a survey. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, what are your top three tips that will help people write effective copy for, your business, for their business? And I know you've already given us so many tips. <laughs> I'll give three quick tips. Um but I also have got a, um, a little free resource with these in it as well because it's something that I get asked an awful lot. Um, so I've got a little guide to mistakes you're making with your copy and how to fix them. But essentially some of the things that crop up all the time are people don't use calls to action. So every time you you know have a page on your website or you are making a, a marketing offer, you need to make sure you tell people what you want them to do next. Uh, we can't assume that people know the customer journey that we want to take them on. And so if it is to, you know, book a call or, um, you know, reserve a spot or purchase or, you know, whatever whatever the next step is, you need to make sure you communicate that really clearly. It sounds obvious, but it's, a, you know, it's missing from a lot of people's, you know, websites or there's 50 calls to action all suggesting different things and that can be really confusing too. So just thinking about coming to your website in particular as a fresh pair of eyes or even getting someone to look good at it for you and just seeing like what's that customer journey look like and feel like does it make sense. Um, the other thing is that people talk a lot about the features of their products or service but not so much about the benefits. And so what that means, for example, is that um, if we're talking about, say, a uh, sports massage clinic and, you know, the feature might be that it's open until 9 p.m. weeknights. Okay, that's great. But what's the benefit of that? Well, the benefit of that would be that, you know, busy people can get there out of hours. So 
basically it's like putting yourself in the shoes of a customer or client and asking, so what? That's kind of like the magic question that I love to use um, because that always helps to get you from what the feature is, which is great, but the benefit is what the customer really cares about. So just asking, so what about everything? And my third tip would be that there's a lot of copy that out there that is from the client perspective, not from the audience perspective. So what I mean by that is there's lots of copy out there that's I, 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 rather than you, you, you. So even when I'm thinking about recording, say, um, intros for my podcast, um, I have a podcast not just about copy, which is not just about copywriting, but about small business life as well. Um, But when I'm recording intros, I'll often think about, can I make the flip from I'm going to tell you about X, Y, Z to you're going to learn about? So thinking about, again, what's in it for the audience? Why should they care? You know, keeping it client focused rather than, sorry, keeping it audience focused rather than client focused. They're probably the three top tips I'd give and things that I see all the time. But I think once you see them and know them, you can just spot them everywhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I was thinking when you started to talk about the call to actions, I'm like, yeah, I've been to both websites where they don't have call to actions or they've got so many. I get overwhelmed and I'm like, see you later. (laughs) I'm going over here now. And I click away because it is easy to get overwhelmed if there's too much information or too many call to actions and you're like, which one do I, which one do I press on? That's what we do when we're faced with indecision, we make no decision. And so, you know, and you'll never know who came, had a moment of indecision and left. You'll never know. Absolutely. Um, In copy, can people use storytelling to connect um, with their audiences and build trust? How, how would you do something like that? Oh, yeah. I think, you know, we love stories. People love stories. And I think it's just one of the nicest ways that you can use to connect with people. And I think you can get stories from absolutely everywhere. I mean, obviously, you know, a very obvious place to use stories is in places like your about page where you might want to talk about, say, for instance, why you started your business. Um, what you're interested in, a little bit about you that helps people to find some perhaps common ground or a point of connection, things like that. But the place where I love to use stories is in my weekly newsletter. I really feel like I was trying to find a story that can illustrate a point that I want to make. So I often share, you know, copywriting tips or marketing stuff or small business life, etc. But if I'm always just talking about business and not actually about life, then where's, you know, how do people connect to that? So I'll get so many of my ideas when I'm just sort of out walking the street. So I always make sure I carry my phone with me and I just record lots of voice notes. And it might be, you know, an interaction I have in a cafe with someone, or it might be something that happened at my son's school, or it might be, you know, I wrote about the bathroom renovation that's going on, you know, at our house and showering outdoors and, and just, then making connections between the things that happen in your life that you feel like other people could relate to or could just, you know, be able to tap into and then finding a way to link that to something else. So I talked um, recently about a neighbour that we've got who lives a few doors up and 
he did this really beautiful thing, um, actually gave us a little book for my son and we hadn't really had much to do with each other before, but we'd sort of spoken a little bit on the street and I spoke about the fact that I hadn't really made the time to talk to him before and that in this exchange we actually got a chance to for me to hear about, you know, his history and he'd been on the street for years and things like that. And I sort of linked it to that idea of getting to know your customer and so on because it was all about that idea of making time and listening, you know, active listening. And so I think we've got stories everywhere. I think sometimes we overthink how big or how complicated a story needs to be and it can just be a little anecdote. That's all you really need. I love it. I'm writing all these notes down. I've got like pages of them now. <laughs> um, that's awesome. I really like it. And it is, yeah, it, it, I, could, I could just picture you standing on the street speaking to that person just when you were describing it. Um, what tips do you have for crafting compelling headlines to grab attention? Because I know that's definitely something I struggle with. Oh, yeah, headlines. Headlines are hard. Well, even for me, I, I would say my biggest tip and my best tip for headlines is to write them last. Um, and that goes for any kind of subject line, headline, whatever. I think if you try and write it before you write the rest of it, you'll probably end up coming back and changing it anyway. So you might as well save it to the end. For me, there's different ways you can approach it. You can approach it as like, an opportunity to kind of wrap up what's below or you can use it as not clickbait but as something sort of intriguing to capture attention. I think with things like subject lines, for instance, there are different ways that you can kind of use those to, to capture attention. I love to ask questions in the subject line that kind of really prompts intrigue and interest or to have a little bit of a play on words can also be fun. I think when we see something that's a bit unexpected, we're often quite interested by that as well. Um, there's also a great little tool. It's called Headline Analyzer. And it's by CoSchedule, I think is the name. Um, and you can just plug your headline in and it'll actually give you some little tips about how you might be able to improve it. It gives suggestions around, um, you know, do you have too many familiar words in there? Do you need to add something a bit, you know, a bit surprising or could you add in another emotional kind of word? And it just gives you a few options. Um, that's a bit of fun just to sort of see. ChatGPT can also be a little bit of fun to use with headlines as well. Um, I kind of think of it as my brainstorming buddy. So not something I use to write my copy for me, but something that I can just sort of bounce around ideas with. And so... That can be quite useful, not only in terms of getting ideas for things that you might use, but also giving you something to work from, as in if it spits back an option, I think, oh, no, that's definitely not it, but it might prompt another idea. So chat GPT, you know, just pop in some prompts or even drop a little bit of copy in and ask it, you know, here's the context, give it some context around what you're looking for. Can you give me, say, 10 headline options? And then it might spit back 10 and you might think, oh, eight of those are terrible, but two of them are okay. So you might say, oh, the one, you know, number four and number whatever, can I have some more options like that? And then you can kind of just, just have a bit of an explore and a bit of a play but I think headlines, 
we put a lot of pressure on them, but I think there's just a, that, you know, that's a couple of ways to just give yourself some options and a, and a place to start bouncing around with anyway. I'm so glad you said right at last because I used to get really frustrated and I'd be like, well, you have to start at the top, right? And so I would, you know, try and try and try. And I tried for years writing the headline first and the intro. And then I was like, I got to a point where I was like, intro and headline last. And it felt absolutely, it just felt wrong because it was like you start at the top and you go to the bottom. But it's like, otherwise you end up spending so much time trying to nail it without actually knowing the full content of your you know say it's an article and sometimes your content will change as you start writing it you'll be like oh yeah I could write this or I could write that or you start to write it you're like well that's a bit boring so I'll take it out and I'll replace it or like you said another idea will come up so I I smiled and I'm sure audience can't see me smiling but I was like yes I love it right at last (laughs) I think with anything Dora to your point there right right start writing wherever you need to start you know and I just I just dive in somewhere and I write my way out of there so whether that's in the middle or at the end or whatever because the worst thing you can do is just to stop yourself um so find whatever way in works for you yeah I love it and I think that's what we have to tell each other like tell the world it's like you know business doesn't look a particular way you know family life doesn't look a particular way there's so many ways things can look and I think you know do it your own way find your own way of you know writing your copy doing life absolutely cool can you tell us where our listeners can find you the website so yes everything's over at emmamcmillancopy.com um, so yeah, free resources there, podcast there. Podcast is not just about copy, which drops at the moment fortnightly. And I'm over on Instagram at Emma McMillan Copy and on LinkedIn at Emma McMillan Copywriter. I'd love to connect. Excellent. Thanks. And um brilliant. So could you leave us with one last final thought or takeaway from today? Just get started. And no one's reading it to start with anyway. So don't worry too much about it. Just get in the habit and you'll get better. Awesome. I love it. Okay, brilliant. And that's a wrap. And as always, kick-ass women and fellow workwives, remember you're not alone because collaboration is power. And most importantly, we all get it. Thanks for coming in today, Emma. Thank you so much, Dora. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit subscribe. If you'd like to learn more, then check out our website, www.workwifewinetime.com.au. While you're there, jump on our mailing list to receive special updates and offers from our guests. Until next time, take care and drink responsibly.